0: you just stand with me in the honor of reading God's Word. We're going to read some Bible today. Everyone say Bible. Bible. We're going to read some Bible today, as they say in the South, And uh, because I believe that it's the Word of God that has the power to change your life for eternity. We have a lot of words, and we have a lot of messages, and we have a a lot of people speaking today. And uh, they can impact your life, good and bad. But there is something that God has given to us that has the potential and the power within it to change our lives for eternity. It's his word. But the old-timers just say, I'm not moved by what I see. I am not moved by what I hear. But I am moved by every word that proceeds from the book of God. And so we're going to read some Bible today. Nehemiah chapter 2. I want you to turn. We're going to read verses 1 through 10 and then verses 17 through 20. And... Uh, uh, just got to get the context. We got to get kind of, I want to read a lot here because I want you to hear what God is doing in this man, Nehemiah's life. Nehemiah uh, chapter 2, beginning with verse number 1. And the Bible says, In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of the king, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, Why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart verse number 2. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Long live the king. Come on everyone say it with me. Long live the king. So we got that phrase from. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, "What is it that you want?" Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah, where my ancestors are buried, so that I can rebuild it. Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, how long will your journey take, and when will you get back here? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of the trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious Hand of my God was on me. The king granted my request. So I went to the governor of the Trans Euphrates and I gave him the king's letter. The king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. Everyone, say favor. When Samballot, the Hornite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite, officials official heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. Then I said to them, the Jewish leaders, you see the trouble we are in? Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace." I also told them about the gracious hand. Everyone say gracious hand. I told them about the gracious hand of my God that was on me and what the king had said to me. And they replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. And when Sambalat the Hornite and Tobiah the Ammonite official and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? I answered them by saying that God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. I want to speak to you on the idea this afternoon, living a life, living our life to leave a legacy. Living our life to leave a legacy. I want to pray today. Next Sunday night from 5 to 8 is Growth Trek. I want to pray over our Growth Trek. There's so many. I met so many new people in second service and first service, and there are many of you that are new here, and you're just getting acclimated to kind of figuring out what we're about, and we have a class next Sunday night from 5 to 8 o'clock, and I'll be there. Our leadership team, you'll hear the vision and where we're going as a community of believers and how you fit into that. And I believe this message here today really is going to impact you and to help you take your next step in God. But I want to pray over our growth track and for all of you that are new here to City Church that you really find a place to connect and get deeply rooted in God. Father, thank you this morning for the power of the word. We've experienced worship. I love, Lord, when we sing songs as a congregation to you. And you said you inhabit the praises of your people. And that presence is so real today. But I also recognize that my life has been eternally and internally transformed and changed because of the power of your word. We are people of the book. We are people who declare the word of God. You said heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will last or abide forever. So I pray today at the declaration of your word, I pray that you'll give your people here today ears to hear, spiritual ears. God, you'll give me a mouth to speak. We need you today, Lord. We need your grace We need your understanding. We need the ability to leave this place different than we came by the power of your spirit. I ask this now in Jesus' wonderful and mighty name and everyone said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Why are you here? Or or maybe a better question would be, how did you get here? Well, I just drove my car, right? I mean, pretty simple. I got my car or I got in a vehicle with someone else. No, no, no. How did you get to where you are today? The job that you work at, uh, the person that you're married to, the church maybe that you're attending, the community of people that you hang out with. How did you get to that place in your life? Do you know that every decision that you make has a consequence now, sometimes we don't live our life that way. We just kind of bumble through life and, you know, I owe, I owe, I owe, so I have to work, I go. We plump, plant the bumper sticker on the back of our truck, you know, fish five days, work two days kind of mindset. And a lot of times we can get stuck in that mindset. We're just going through the motions of life. I saw a television program recently. It's kind of a a revival of a show that was on in the 70s when I was a kid called The Gong Show. Anybody ever see The Gong Show before? you probably got to be like over 800 years old to ever see that. But it was an old show when I was a kid, but there's a revival of it. Basically, there's like this panelist of three supposedly famous people, and and then people come on there, and they do these crazy, the crazy, stupidest acts. It's kind of like... What's the ones that are out there? America's America's greatest and all those. Well, these people do even crazier acts than that. And they got this great big symbol in the middle of the stage and some kind of giant large mallet. And if, the, and if the thing is, like, really terrible, somebody will take this mallet and gong. It's the gong show. And then they're ushered off the stage. Well, I'm watching the gong show. I, I know that was a really fruitful time in my life. I was just being brain dead, and I was got the remote control, and I saw this crazy act. And this girl comes out wearing a hamster suit. She comes out wearing a hamster suit inside of a hamster wheel. I know they're thinking, this is nuts. And then she starts, like, they got some music, and she starts rolling around the stage in the hamster wheel. And I look at that, and I thought, you know, that's sometimes how we feel about our lives. We're just rolling through life. We're on the hamster wheel just kind of going through the emotions. How did you get to where you are? How how did that happen? Well, I can tell you how it happened. You made a decision yesterday. You made a decision the day before. You made a decision before that. And because of that decision that you made, somehow there was a chain of reaction of things that were set off. And here you are today. Now, the wonderful thing about God is that where you are today is not where God wants to take you into your future. See, God has a plan. God has a purpose for every single person in this room. Nehemiah is a special guy. I like Nehemiah. Nehemiah is an amazing man. Now, what I like about Nehemiah, he's not the typical prophet or priest or holy man of the Old Testament. He's actually just a layman. He's a guy that goes to church, pays his tithes, goes to work every day, pays his tithes, tries to help out a little bit. He's a good guy. He's a good local church guy. He's a good Jew. Good Jew, really good you. But he, he doesn't have this mantle of prophet or this mantle of pastor or mantle of apostle. or doesn't have that on his life. But what he does have is a divine destiny. He has a call. He has a legacy that God wants him to leave. He has a, a life that God wants to, him to live in. 2,500 years ago, this man, Nehemiah, made a choice made a choice to walk out the purpose and the plan that God had for him. If you are a Christ follower in this room today, the Holy Spirit lives in you. The Holy Spirit is not just in a building. Matter of fact, he's not even in the building. He's in the believers that are in that building. And sometimes when there's a lot of believers in a place, and they're worshiping God because God inhabits the praises of his people, you will have a greater tangible sense that there is something powerful at work there. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, I was walking around outside. Pastor Glenn or somebody else was preaching, and I was going from the buildings and seeing what was going on. And, and I remember I walked from outside, and I came into the middle of worship service, and I could feel it. Like I could really feel the presence. I, I felt like there was just a fresh a sense of reality that God was with us. Well, what was happening is there was a bunch of people that had God inside of them singing songs to him. And because of that expression, there was just a renewed renewed, refreshed, real sense that God was real. God is among us. God's among us because he dwells inside of us. And because God dwells and lives inside of you, you have a sense of purpose. You just, you have something inside us. You know what? There's something greater. There's just something you sense that God is doing in your life, wants to do in your life, wants to take you in your life. You just you sense it. You, all, you just can't. You cannot be a Christ follower, not have a sense that there's something for you to do. There's a difference. There's a purpose for you. It's because God is the God of purpose. He made us in his image. Nehemiah is serving God. He's living in a really tough time naturally and spiritually for the people of Israel. I'm going to give you just a little bit of backstory. But what's happened in the history of Israel is that uh, called by God, chosen by God, but they rebel from God. They go out and they they follow the gods of the world that they lived in at that day. And they found themselves entrapped. And they found themselves not only entrapped, but they found themselves in big trouble. Because they were defenseless. They were powerless against the enemies that would form against them. And about 2,500 years ago, the Babylonians came down and they just literally ran right over the people of Israel. God had promised them, listen, if you don't serve me, troubles are coming. Trouble that you can't defend yourself against. If you serve me, put me first. You live out my purpose and plan. I'll be your defender. We sing that song. He's my defender. He's my... Pur- we were singing that. And, and I'll tell you, he's your defender and your protector if you're walking out his purpose and his plan. They weren't walking it out, and therefore the Babylonians came in. They wiped them out. They, they tore the, the, this temple that had been, this edifice, this building that had been built and dedicated for the worship of God. They destroyed that. They, they destroyed the homes, the palaces. The city walls were literally left in ruins. Walls were important because walls were places of protection. They, they were places that kept the people safe, at least made them feel safe. But without the protection of God, Without the hand of God going before you and guiding you, protecting you, there's no promise of safety. And the Babylonians came in. The king of Babylon at the time was, a, was this guy that we just read about. He was the king of the Medes and the Persians. Very powerful man. He seemed to be a fairly, you can read about him in world history. He's known. He's known in world history. He seemed to be a very benevolent guy. But the children were in a bad place naturally, but they were also in a bad place spiritually. You know why they'd made bad choices. They had made some really bad choices. Uh, God promised us, and this was going to happen, if you don't put me first, if you don't follow my plans and my ways, you're going to be taken into captivity for a period of time. But here's the thing. God doesn't want us to stay stuck. God doesn't want us to stay messed up. God wants to take the messes of our life and show how great and how powerful He is and turn them into messages of grace and hope, not only for your life, but for future generations. And it's exactly what God had, for, had in mind for Israel. He said, you're not always going to be this place. Yes, you're going to get dragged off. You're going to have a lot of pain. It's going to be a time of discipline. I'm going to do some things in your life, but I'm going to begin to stir you to move back home. Move back to the place of worship. To come back to where my presence and my reality is. I'm going to begin to do that in your life. And about 20 years or so before Nehemiah, there was a guy by the name of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel started to feel that sense to go back. i got to go back home. And so he gets some Jewish people together. They go back to Israel. And and, and after a period of time, they're just totally demoralized. Nothing's happening. They're trying to rebuild. They're trying to get the businesses started again. The economy has colla- completely collapsed. They, they have inflation like they have in Venezuela right now where it costs you $10 to buy one cup of coffee. It's just, you know, things are just really tough for them. And then about 10 years later, this guy by the name of Ezra says, you know what, I got to go back and help him. Well, we're going to build the temple because if we can just get that temple built, the place where people worship, then everything else will take care of itself. And he goes back and he's having a tough time. The leaders are demoralized. And God has this man, Nehemiah. God always has the right people in the right place at the right time for all of our lives. Nehemiah was a cupbearer. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse number 11. He actually tells this. He tells us what his role is. He says, let the Lord be attentive to the prayer of your servant. He's praying right now. And to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man, the king. He says, for I was the cupbearer to the king. I was the cupbearer to the king. Nehemiah was a man who was prepared naturally, and he was prepared spiritually for the task and the role that God had called him. He was prepared. He was in preparation, but he had put himself in a position because of the choices that he had made about his lifestyle, and the way that he would work, and the kind of life that he was going to live. He put himself in a position to be noticed by others, and he found himself in a place of prominence. He found himself in a very important role. He was the cupbearer to the king. Now, cupbearers to the king, there was two things. One, they, there were people who had been tested, men who had been tested, and men who could be trusted. They were tested every single day because every single day, their responsibility when the king was going to be served his food or he was going to be served his wine, they had to make sure that it was good. And by being good, I meant that it was safe, that there was no one had tried to poison it to kill the king. I mean, this generation and this time, the way that way that uh, political parties, the way that political process went, the way that they, they dealt with that is they just killed one king to set up another king. Not too much different than what takes place today around the world. That's, you see all this taking place in governments and, in, and animosity and all this hatred taking place. It wasn't too much different back then. And so the king had a really important role for someone to fulfill, and that was to taste his food. Nehemiah. He knew he had a good day. You know, Nehemiah would come home for work, and his wife would say, "Honey, how was your day today?" He goes, "It was great. I'm home, aren't I?" Because <laughs> every day was a test. Every day he'd be tested. He'd have to eat the king's food, had to drink his wine to make sure that it wasn't poisoned. So he had a very important role, and he was so excellent at what he did. He was such a great servant that he found favor. He found favor with this king, this man by the name. I can't even say it, I'm just going to call him the king. Found favor with this king. Uh, as I look at the life of Nehemiah, I realize that this man, because he was a man who had been tested, he was a man who was trusted, he was a man who put himself in a position naturally, he was naturally in the right position, he was also spiritually in the right position, two things could happen inside of his life. He could start, He could start to really dream. He, he he was in a position where he he felt the burden that God felt for his people that's why how we know he was right with God he cared about people people were special to him this last week i i had the privilege of hanging out with one of our pastors pastor esteban rivera pastor esteban really works at the hispanic ministry here at city church he also is over the care ministry and And I know him, and we've made him a pastor here, but I really didn't know him. But this last week, we spent three days together in Puerto Rico. And I got to know him. I got to, we we hung out in this little apartment, and uh, we had food together, went to meet some pastors together, did some stuff together, played a little golf together. And there was one point, I don't know what we were doing, what we were talking about, but it got so goofy funny that I almost fell out of the car I was sitting in. But Pastor Esteban, we were talking, he kept saying, uh, we were talking about people and situations, he he's a special man. She's a special person. He's a special man. I said, Pastor Esteban, I thought I was a special one in your life. <laughs> but I realized about Pastor Esteban is he really believes in people. He really has a heart for people. He really believes that people are special. Nehemiah had a burden for the people of God. That's how we know he was right with God. He was right with God because had a, he had a burden for the things that God was burdened for. God was burdened for his house. God was Burden that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ would expand and the glory of the Lord would fill the earth. God was burdened that people who were lost and far from him would come back into a relationship, come to know him, come to experience salvation and deliverance and forgiveness of sin. God was burdened. It was the heart of God. The Bible says he's not willing that anyone should perish. Nehemiah carried this burden. He carried this burden that would drive him into his destiny. Now, what's interesting about Nehemiah to me is that Nehemiah was in a good place. I mean, in the natural, he was in a good place, right? Like, he's got everything he has need of. He has great meals every day, as long as it doesn't kill him. I mean, you know, life's going pretty good. He's got a beautiful home. He's like, he's a very close, confidant to the king. He has direct access to the most powerful man in his known generation. I mean, he's got everything that life could say you could have. He's got everything. Something inside of him started to stir. Something inside of him knew that there was something greater. Uh, Nehemiah made a choice. He chose to leave, uh, leave a life of pleasure, a life of leisure, a life all, as all is well, all is good. He chose to take a step out of that into something greater. And the moment he made that choice, you know what he was inviting? He was inviting problems. Problems. He was inviting pain. Our, our series titled is The Dog Days of Summer. And, and you know it's the middle of summer when last night uh, I, turned on the, I turned on the television. And I watched Boston bomb the New York Yankees 11 to nothing. You know it's the middle of summer when I actually watch a full baseball game. It's the middle of summer. It's hot. You can get stuck. Nehemiah was living life. Nehemiah became burdened with something greater. And that something greater would lead him to a place where he would start to experience opposition that he would not experience. He was king's right-hand guy. If he had opposition in the past, he could just have him wiped out. He could have him taken care of. He could have him removed. But Nehemiah, by saying yes to God's next for his life, would experience ridicule from his enemies. He, he would experience the wrath of opposition. He would have to fe- come face to face with people who were discouraged and full of. Fear. He had to deal with lazy lying pastors and prophets and satanic attacks from the enemy. But Nehemiah was positioned. He'd positioned himself naturally, he was positioned spiritually. He was God's right man for the job. You're here today. You are God's right person for the job, for the assignment. That He has for you. Now here's the deal. Your assignment, your job is different than my job and my assignment. Every person here today, you have a mission. You have a mandate from God and that is to live out the purpose for which he created you. And it's different. You see, there is something that God has created and designed for you to do that only you can do on planet earth. There's someone for you to touch. There's a a ministry for you to be involved in. There's a place for you to serve. There's a life for you to impact that no one else on planet earth is going to be able to impact. And that's why God created you. He created you to fulfill his purpose while your time is on planet earth. You have a mission. You might not fully understand what that mission is. And I guarantee you, Nehemiah didn't fully understand what he was getting into. But he had a step in God. It wasn't just to be the cupbearer to the king. Good job. Good position. He had a greater job. He had a greater responsibility, and that was to go back to the people that God had called him to, the, the people that he was born into, the people of his birth, the people of his background, and to go back to the city of Jerusalem, and not only to be part of that community, but to rebuild it, to resolidify it. Here's the deal, something that had been dead for 70 years, Something that had left people demoralized and defeated and beat down for 70 years. When Nehemiah, because he was in God's timing and God's plan and God's purpose. When Nehemiah showed up on the scene, it literally went from zero to 180 almost overnight. You know why? Because he had the favor of God. He was in the right place at the right time. When he took that step in God. God accelerated his purpose and plan, not only in his life, but in the people that were around him. Something that had been dead for 70 years would become completed in 52 days. All because one man, all because one man said yes to God. What about you today? What has God called you to today? What is God? God's, if you're a Christ follower, God's spoken to you. What, I, what I've discovered, actually, is that the longer that I live, even people that don't know God or are not in relationship with him, they have a sense that their life has more significance more significance than meaning than just a paycheck or a house or a vacation or an automobile. I, I mean, the longer that I live, I hear this all the time. There's this, there's this concept in our culture to, to give back. God doesn't want just to give back a little. This is the difference. In our world, it's give back a little. Give back what you can see, what you can control, what you can influence. In the kingdom of God, God wants us to give it all, to give him everything, our whole heart, our whole life, our whole being. See, in in this process, there was a time that Nehemiah was going to have to wait. There was a waiting process in Nehemiah's life. In your life and my life, from the dream, the desire, the something that God is stirring till to the time that we actually see that fulfillment, there's always a time of delay. I call this actively waiting on God's timing. Actively waiting on God's timing. In Nehemiah, he was a good guy, serving the purposes of God, cupbearer to the king, living a good life something starts to happen in chapter 1 it actually tells us that around the month of December he gets a report he gets a report about what's happening in Jerusalem but it's not till April that he actually has the gumption to stand before the king see right timing in our life is so crucial Right time, taking the, doing the right thing at the right time to produce right results you got to understand there's always a timing in our life we can get ahead of God we can get sideways. We, we can take choice, make choices and decisions that lead us down a wrong path. We can do that. And many of us have done that. All of us have done that at some place and some time. John Maxwell once said, The right thing at the wrong time is always the wrong decision. The wrong thing at the right time is the wrong decision. The wrong thing at the wrong time is always the wrong decision. But we do the right thing at the right time. It's the right decision. During this time of waiting, God was doing something deep in Nehemiah's life. In this time of waiting in your life, in your time, whatever season you're in, God is doing something inside of you. He's preparing you for his next step for your life. I mean, this this principle, some have called it the divine delay. It goes all the way back to the very beginning. I mean, you think of a guy like Abraham. God promised him when he was 70 years of age, he says, Abraham, I want you to look up into the sky and see all those little light bulbs there. No. See all those stars that are there? I want you to try to count them because that's how many of the descendants from your life shall be. More than he could count. Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. That's what his name literally means, father of many nations. God said at 70 he would be a father of many nations. The promise of the son. The promise of the, fu- the fulfilled promise of the son. The fountainhead of what God would do through him, Isaac, wouldn't come for another 30 years. 30 years. A lot of decisions. Not all the decisions that Abraham made in that 30 years were perfect decisions. But God's purposes and God's plans were in his timing, not Abraham's time. There's a man by the name of Joseph, great guy in the Bible. Great guy, has a dream as a little boy. He's going to rule over his brothers. He's going to be a man of great destiny. And at the age of 12, he has this, starts to brag about it. 17, he gets, you know, his brothers are sick of him. And they they, they think they're going to kill him. They decide not to kill him. They, They throw him in the pit. They sell him into slavery. He ends up in a guy's house by the name of Potiphar. For nine years, he serves Potiphar. For nine years, he has to resist sexual temptation. Potiphar's wife kept coming on him. Finally, finally, she gets sick of it, and she falsely accuses him of trying to rape him, and he's thrown into prison for two years. What happened to the dream? What happened to the dream? You know what's interesting about Joseph is that all through the the testing time of his life, he kept choosing to do the right thing. And the favor of God was on him. And the grace of God was on him. And you might be in a season right now, a season of what I call a delay. And I want you to know the hand of God's favor, just like it was on Nehemiah, the hand of God's gracious hand of God is upon you. And here's what you do. Here's what Nehemiah did. First thing that Nehemiah did is in the time of delay, Nehemiah was known as a man of prayer. He was a man who knew how to pray. In verse number 11 of chapter 1, he's praying, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the servant, to the prayer of your servants who delight in your name. Give your servants success today. Our, our chapter that we read, the Bible says, before he's going to talk to the king, he says, I prayed to the Lord. I pray. I, I call it popcorn prayer. I mean, this was a prayer, I mean, literally as he is going, as he's walking. Paul the Apostle to the church at Thessalonica says, pray without ceasing. Don't stop praying. You know what praying is? Praying is a conversation between you and God. It's a conversation. You're telling God how you feel. You're not running from God. You're not hiding from God. He can see you all anyway. But you're expressing to God what's going on and happening in your life. say, God, this is what's going on. God, I need you. God, I thank you. We worship him in our, our continual going. We praise him. The Bible says, and the praises of God shall continually be on my lips. We're praying. We're talking to God. You ever have this, the, this experience? I, I have had it where I've been praying one moment and then doing something crazy the next. You may ever do that? Like we're just these people. And then somehow God keeps, by his grace, keeps calling us back. And we pray. Nehemiah was a man of prayer. Man who kept going after God, kept seeking the Lord. The prophet Micah said said it like this: "As for me, I look to the Lord for help. I wait confidently for God to save me. God to save me, and my God will certainly hear me. God hears us today." The second thing that was happening in Nehemiah's life is that he was growing in patience. He was growing in patience. Now, for Nehemiah, it was only a four-month period from the time that he really started to feel the burden to where God released him to go to Jerusalem and start to rebuild the walls. But it was still a time that God was developing patience in his life. James chapter 1, verse number 4 says it like this, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be pure, complete, not lacking anything. Let patience. Let patience finish the work. He that has begun, here's today, Philippians 1, 6. He that has begun a good work in you, God's begun a good work in you. Holy Spirit's in you, God's begun that work. He that has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. He's always working. He's always changing. He's always speaking. He's always leading. He's always bringing the right people. He's always bringing the right scripture. He's always working in your life. He's not finished with this yet. Ran had an encounter. It just happened this last week. A young lady was being interviewed for a job. And uh, in the position, it looked like it possibly could be their job. And, and so they went through the interview process. The person that was interviewing them said that, hey, listen, don't quit your job yet. Don't quit your day job yet. Don't quit your other job because I, I can't promise you that you're going to get this position. Immediately, the person thought the interview went so well that they went back and they quit their other job. Guess what happened? That door was shut. They didn't get that other job. That other job didn't materialize. And they were so frustrated. They were so angry. They were so mad because they thought they had that job. No, they didn't have a promise of tomorrow. You know what happened? They got impatient. They got ahead of God. We do that in relationships. We're going out, you know, we know, God, God, we want to get married. And we have a strong desire. And it's a good thing to find a spouse. God wants us to have a relationship with other people. It's good. But we get ahead of God. And we don't wait on his timing. And we get with the wrong person. And we start to have intimacy, sexual relations with the person. We're not even married yet. And then that adds a whole other level of complication. And then other things happen. And then we move in together. We're not married yet. But we're doing, I mean, people make choices. They quit jobs. They get into relationships. They they don't wait for God's timing and purpose in their life. And when you do that, just like the Israelite, it always brings pain. But here's the amazing thing about it. God's not finished. God wasn't finished with the Israelites. Oh, they had made a mess. Oh, they had made mistakes. But the mistakes and the messes of our life are always about this. God always has a person. God always has a word. God always has a song. God always has a time in his life, in our life where he's calling us back to him, where he can take that mess and he can turn it into a message of his grace and of his hope and of his love. Someone said amen. Come on. Come on. The people, they were special to God. God was using this man, Nehemiah. And in the season of preparation, in the season of preparation, God was growing the muscle of perseverance. That's what God's doing in you. He's finishing that work that he's begun. He's begun a work. He's finishing that work. And then, I love the way Nehemiah, this story finishes. Nehemiah began to work the plan. You know, this building here was built in 2004. There's a set of architectural plans that architects drew, and there's a lot of people that worked on it. And for the most part, this building's a pretty solid building. The way that this building got built is that someone had a dream, a desire, an idea, and they put it down on a piece of paper, and they drew a design, Then a bunch of other people copied it. And they did it according to the plan. Nehemiah began to work a plan. He knew that God wanted him to go back to rebuild the, the walls of Jerusalem, to fortify that, that place of Jerusalem so the people could start to come back and start to worship God and start to live. I love Verse number 6, the Bible says that he stood before the king. And the king says, how long will this trip take? And when will you get back and it pleased the king to send me? So I told him, I set a time. I set a time. Not only did he set a time, but he began to ask the king for provision. He began to ask the king very specifically. Two things that he asked for. He asked for safe passage. He asked for a letter. And then he asked for timbers. He asked for material possessions so that he could build the the, the gates of the city so that he could build the home that he was going to live in. He was very clear about what he needed. You know why he was clear? Because he thought it through. He had a plan. He, he, He counted the cost. He calculated the risk. You know there was a delay in his life and he could have got distracted but it was in that season of delay that he was laying out a plan. And he was working that planet. He knew that moment would come. That moment of opportunity would come. And he would fulfill that. There's a guy in this city that a lot of people have ridiculed. I told my boys when they were very young, I said, be very careful about criticizing other ministers and other people that are doing what they believe God's called them to do. Because you're not them. Because whatever stones you throw at someone else, just remember, those stones coming back hurt pretty hard. There's a guy in our city that built this little building over on I-4. And he'd become the ridicule, people would mock him, they'd put it in the newspapers, you know. I I eyesore I on I-4 or I-4 eyesore, I whatever we call it. Yeah, okay. And you know who gets the last laugh? The guy who held to the promise of God. This guy who said, I'm gonna build that building cash. I'm gonna make that building a ministry, a place of ministry, and a, a place of business, and a place so that many people in this city can be blessed. Nineteen years. I talked to a pastor last week. He said, the building is going, they have all the money they need. And you know who gets the last laugh? The guy that has a $100 million building that has no debt on it and a place where a beacon of the gospel of Jesus Christ can go for You know who got the last laugh? It wasn't the people that are criticizing the newspaper and all that. No. It was one guy who had a plan and a belief that God had called him to do something significant. See, God's called you to do something significant today. Nehemiah began to lay out that plan. He began to ask for the provision. And I love it. The Bible says, and because the gracious hand of God was upon me, the king granted me my request. What have you asked God for lately? What are you believing God for in your life? Is it bigger than you? I have a very close pastor friend. He called me this last week. He told me about a dream that he had. He said, I believe that God wants me to start, wants our church to start seven orphanages on the seven continents of the world. Like, wow, that's a big dream. Now, he's already done one. They've already got one that's got almost 100 kids, and a lot of our our people have been there in Jamaica. But he said, God just spoke to him about having an orphanage on every continent on the planet. You know what I thought? That's a big ask. That's a big dream. But you know who he puts his faith in? A big God. A big God. How big is your God today? What is God asking you to do? What has God been speaking to your heart today to enlarge your place, to increase your influence? See, Nehemiah's influence would last for over 2,500 years. As long as there's people on planet Earth, Nehemiah's name will be spoken. Why? Because he believed. He believed that there was a next step. He believed that there was something greater. He believed that there was a big God that when he asked and he believed that God would answer his requests. Come on. How about you today? You know, sometimes we get so limited because we think our, you know, he worked for a king, and that king, I mean, he was, listen, they were dictators. You just did. There wasn't wasn't a democracy that did what that king said. But Nehemiah knew that God had the capacity and the ability to change the heart of the king. You know, today God has the capacity and the ability to change the heart of your spouse. He has the capacity and the ability to change the heart of your boss, of your co-worker. Sometimes we worry, we fret about our future and how it's going to happen. And God says, I got it. Just pray. Just ask. Just believe. I love 1 John chapter 5. First John chapter 5, it says it like this. Put that verse up there for me. This is the confidence. Everyone say confidence that we have in our relationship with God, if we ask for anything in agreement with his will, he listens to us. Do you know God listens to you today? Do you believe that? He listens. If we know that he listens to whatever we ask, we know that we have received what we've asked from him. You know why? Because we believe. What about you today? What are you believing for? What have you asked God for? Nehemiah believed for God's provision. He believed for God's protection. You know what Nehemiah knew that one day of God's favor, one day of God's gracious hand that was upon him was better than a whole four years of his labor. one day with God, one day with the Lord, the gracious hand of God was upon him. But here was a qualifier. It wasn't a whim. It wasn't a wish. It wasn't a whim. It wasn't just a a fleeting, passing thought. It was the will of God for his life. Will of God for his life to rebuild the wall that had laid dormant for 70 years. No one else believed but one person. Maybe no one in your family believes. Maybe you come from a household where no one else is a follower of God. But today you've chosen to believe. God sees, God hears. I want you to close your eyes. If you're not a Christian today, you still have the sense of destiny inside of you. You just don't have the power available yet to live out your potential. And that's your first step. Your first step is to give your heart. Nehemiah, Nehemiah was in relationship. He was in right relationship with God. And some of you in this room today, you're not right relationship. And that's what God's calling you today. He's calling you to a relationship with him. For you to give him, give him all of you. That all of you will be surrendered to the Lord. You don't even fully understand what that completely means. But as you begin to do that, your life begins to change. We use the word in the church, repentance. It means literally change the way that we think. But it's a, it's a surrendering of our will to his will. Our ways to his will. You're here in this room today, and you know your life isn't right with God. You've been living for yourself. Just kind of living out there, just on the hamster wheel of life. It really hasn't made a lot of sense. But You sense something tugging you today, calling you to a relationship with God. If that's you in the room, when I count to three, will you raise your hand? One, two, three. Come on, right down this room. I see those hands all across this room. Wow, God's working today. Amen. Put your hand down. You're a believer here today you sense God's been speaking to you about something. Maybe maybe you're a believer, you're already doing it. There's a bunch of us at City Church. This church isn't the great church that it is without a bunch of people already doing the will of God. But I know even a message like this today, God is stirring something. Some of you, God, is stirring something greater. Maybe you've never led a small group, and God said, you know what, I want you to step out. I want you to begin to rebuild, work on rebuilding the lives, walls in someone else's life. Maybe it's working or serving in some other capacity. It's a, a ministry or a mission. Maybe it's a neighbor that God is calling you to reach, co-worker, to share your faith with. Four months. It took Nehemiah four months before he had the guts to talk to the king. Four months. God's speaking to you right now. You're here today you say, you know what? I'm ready. I'm ready to take that step you're a believer, you ready to take that, whatever that is, whatever that next step, and God is for you too, and I count to throw. I want you to raise your hand, one, two, three, come on, right now in this room, we'll this room. I want you to stand with me, the worship team is going to come, we're going to sing this song at the altar, at the altar, there's something, third service, this has been completely different than the other two services, the ending of this service, this message has almost been completely different, if God had a word for someone here today, you need this. And the worship team begins the same. Our hands are lifted just all across this room. First of all, for those of you that you raised your hand and you said my life is not right with God, and I know and I want a relationship with Him. I want us all just right now in this moment, I want us all to say this prayer. Come on. Everyone say, Lord Jesus, I surrender to you. My will, my way. I believe, Lord Jesus, that you are God. And today I invite you to be my God. Come into my life. Give me the strength. Give me the grace to live for you from this day forward. In your wonderful name. In your wonderful name.